Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, it's getting near the end of the year. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, the uh, first appearance of Nakuti Gatwa as Doctor Who will be screened on Christmas Day. Mm. Will you be watching it? I have cancelled my TV license, so no one was allowed. Not an only man, I was allowed to watch it. I'm not allowed to watch catch up. You can watch catch up on any channel except for the BBC. Uh, so no, I, you'll have to describe it. I'll ring you up afterwards. You can tell me. I, I will tell you all I like about him it. in Sex Education. I think he's actually wonderful. But uh... the reason I'm mentioning it is because when Doctor Who is screened over Christmas, hmm. there's a lower death rate the following year. Surely that just has to be coincidental, doesn't well, it? Well, this is the study performed by a chap called Richard Riley, who is a professor of biostatistics at the University of Birmingham. And he has done a study which he calls TARDIS, which stands for, loosely stands for Televised Festive Broadcasts and Association with Rates of Death in 60 Years of Doctor Who. If you take the televised association rates of death <laughs> in 60, you get the TARDIS out of that. And on, so he's done a study over the whole 60 years, and on the years when Doctor Who is shown at Christmas, there are six fewer deaths per 10,000 person years. I'm not sure what a person year means, but there are fewer deaths But when Doctor Who is being screened. That does seem extraordinary. And is it that statistically big number i don't know well i think it's christmas so we just accept these festive stories on face value okay well i suppose we've got to keep something to keep us going until april 1st yes exactly Let does us this move mean, on does to, this uh, mean that not being able to watch doctor who means my life might possibly be shorter well it's possible Oh dear, well maybe I won't make it to the new year. So I mean, yeah. come up with something interesting today then. <laughs> well, we will. I'll try and make sure it's nothing that's too far in advance. Okay. Okay, so on to another extraordinary thing. Uh, electric bikes. We've talked a lot about electric bicycles yes. on this show. What we haven't talked about is electric penny farthings. Oh, I see a penny farthing occasionally. There is a guy yeah. who clearly must be somewhere in our area. Yeah. And frequently is cycling along the Thames. I've been the other way. Well, I've never come behind him so I can study him for a long time. Um, not surprisingly, he wears tweed. If I were ever to cycle a penny farthing, the last place I would do it would be alongside the Thames. Oh, well, I think it's right. You said there's not much danger of going in. They're, you know, they're oh, okay. big walls. Yes. They're not like the Swiss who have no barriers at the side uh, of their mountain like a roads. canal towpath then. No. no, no, where I've been with him, it's it's relatively safe. But he oh, seems, okay. you know, quite adept at dealing with it. But he can well, now get this... the next one, can he? Well, you can't get it because this is a, a YouTuber by the name of Christopher Terpstra who's built just one electric penny farthing. It is an electric hubless penny farthing. So the front wheel, which uh, is 1.3 metres in diameter, that's 52 inches, Wow. There's no hub in the middle. It's made of, uh, of plywood, 
bent into shape. Right. And there are three sets of roller wheels built into the frame that holds the front wheel in place. It is quite glorious and truly bizarre. And was there actually any advantage to the penny farthing? I mean, it seems slightly odd to us now that the penny farthing was one of the earlier developments of bicycles. Oh, no, not at all. The reason that they they developed Mm. it was because before they invented gears on bicycles, Mm. uh, if you'd had a small front wheel, you'd be spinning your legs around really fast in order to get any speed at all, in order to get enough speed to stay upright. Well, when do they invent gears? The the big wheel means you don't Mm. have to turn your, your legs very fast in order to get the speed. Right. But, 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 of course, if you don't get up speed quite quickly and you wobble and fall off, you've got further to fall. You're much further to fall. I mean, they were very dangerous things. Still are. So were the, were the early bicycles that had two small-ish wheels compared to the penny farthing, then they can't have had gears for quite a while, could they? Or maybe they had them very early? I think once the, the, the only way you can reduce the, the size of the front wheel is by having gears, yes. Oh, how extraordinary. I did see something bizarre this week. I meant to send it to you and didn't, which was somebody who had devised a bike where if your back wheel splits in half, this is what you can do. And you know how some people have that sort of long bar at the back where they have a kiddie thing at the end. Yes. And the kid can say, well, this had two half wheels. Um, they were like just half. Wheels. They were oh. semicircle. No, these were ordinary bike wheels, but they were. it was completely cut in half. And there were semicircles, and the bike still worked absolutely fantastically because each half was always in contact with the ground at different times. It was bonkers. If I can find it, I'll send it to you because you would like it because it's just utterly, utterly bonkers. Well, if you like bonkers, how about the Defender 250? It's a cargo e-bike. We've seen quite a lot of cargo Mm -hmm. e-bikes around. This is a three-wheeler cargo e-bike, but all three wheels are in a line. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Unless it's, it's got some sort long. of gyroscope or something. No, it's just a very long bike. It can carry up to 250 kilograms. And it has a long stretch back, like a stretch limo, but a stretch mm. bicycle, which you could add extra seats or a cargo frame. And uh, each of the wheels has a 250-watt motor in it. So it's very highly motorized. 112-mile range, they say which I take with a very large pinch of salt. If you can have a very large pinch of salt, maybe maybe well, pinches come no, to standard y- size. Yes. yes, but you can't help feeling that there would be some old British measurement where, you know, one 12 pinches equal to something or other. That, I don't know what. <laughs> it <probably laughs> anyway, this is on the sale on. by company. What? I was going to say, but if it's only got three wheels in line and you stop for traffic lights or something else, it can be quite difficult to stay upright, given that you might have 250 kilograms behind you. Yes, I think it probably would be quite difficult to stay upright. So, essentially, you can't stop? Possibly. Anyway, if you want one, go to <laughs> dollas, D-O-L-A-S dot bike, right. and plonk down your 4,650 euros. There is a bike suffix on the internet now. There is a dot bike suffix, yes. Good gracious. Is. Oh, sometime you must tell us the weirdest suffixes there are. I mean, we, we, when we're... We being rather old hands at this, I mean, can remember the days when there were only about four suffixes. There were. Well, my favourite, of course, is .tv, which is owned by the little island state of Tuvalu. Tuv- yes. And it's its main source of income. Oh, I didn't realise that that. Yeah. Yes. Because isn't that one of the islands that's actually threatened with being submerged it is. by it is. rising sea level? It's sinking, yes. yes. I thought the sea level was rising rather than the other way around. Well, same thing, effectively, isn't I su- it? I suppose yeah, so. Yeah. I suppose so. Right. Anyway, so another electric bike is the Pi Pop, P-I hyphen pop. 
an electric bike with no battery. Ooh. How about that? Instead, it has a super, super capacitor which collects energy when you're braking or when you're going downhill or on the flat. Well, that's like a hybrid car. Assist. It is like a hybrid car, except to replace the petrol engine in the hybrid car, you have your legs. Of course, it means if it's collecting energy when you're going on the flat, it's going to be harder to pedal. Yes. I think there's no question about like that. The, like those bike lights with dynam- dynamos, you remember? And sometimes the dynamo actually yes. sort of stopped you going as fast as you wanted to. Yes, well, exactly. Very much like that, I think. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so if you if you happen to let it fully discharge... It will go from zero to full charge in two months. Two months. It seems unlikely, doesn't it? But they say two months, yes. Okay. Yes. Anyway, so it's it's probably got a one and a half month warranty. So by the time you realize it doesn't work, (laughs) it's too late. Quite possibly. Two and a half thousand euros from pi-pop.fr because it's a French, a French bicycle. Okay. Well, uh, it's time for having one of these. We haven't had one yet. Our little noises decide that they've decided to produce a little delay on them, so I never know whether they're actually working or not. And if I press it again, ah. it stops. So yes, I don't quite know what's going on there. Never right. Mind. It worked. Where yep. do we go now? Well, you may be old enough, you are old enough, of course you are, but you may remember the Polaroid one-step SX70, which was the first affordable Polaroid camera. And it was very cute, and it had the multicoloured rainbow stripes going down it. Do you remember that? Interesting sort of wedge-shaped I, design. But I had I had a Polaroid much earlier than that, when I was well, 13, a black and white one. didn't take very good pictures, but it worked. Well, but maybe that's well, the first colour one. 1977, this one was. The first Polaroid camera was 72. So you could have had that one. That was very expensive. But, okay, but it's really weird, because I had a bar mitzvah when I was 13, and I still have Polaroid pictures from my bar mitzvah. Or maybe it was my brother's bar mitzvah. Ah. Oh, uh, well, that's possible. But it was clearly very early. I even bought one, thinking Polaroid were going, I bought one about five, six years ago, thinking, oh, that'd be worth a lot of money. But, of course, Polaroid keep producing things. They do. They keep. Isn't it annoying? Anyway, yes. what they're producing now? Well, they're not producing it. But Lego are producing a facsimile of the Polaroid One Step SX70, five hundred and sixteen pieces, with a working <laughs> viewfinder, and you can build yourself a perfect model of the Polaroid camera. And it comes with three photographs. They are sort of cartoony photographs. One of them featuring Edwin Land, the inventor right. of the Polaroid camera. Yes. Or rather, a Lego Man version of Edwin Land. And it has a little eject button on the front, and when you press it, it spits out one of these pictures. Isn't that lovely? Well, I suppose so, if you like making Lego. I I mean, I can understand the attraction of Lego, and I liked it when I was a kid, and I'm sure I'll try and get my grandson into it. But at the same time, I never quite got into them making big Lego models. I mean, they're very popular, aren't they? No, but it used to be you'd buy a bunch of Lego and make whatever you like, yes. and now you buy yes. Lego and you make the kit. But once you've made the kit, then you have all the bricks you could use to make whatever you can imagine. So I, think I suppose that's, that's really true, but Lego. having made it, do you then want to take it to pieces again for fear that one of the pieces might get oh, lost and you could never... Yes. It does seem an odd thing Especially to... when you spend £69.99 on a non-working Polaroid yes. camera. Yes. Hmm. Anyway, they're going to be more than most of them... Uh, Originally cost, I imagine. 
Yes, it probably is. <laughs> anyway, time for us to take a quick break. We'll have more Gadget and Gizmos just a moment, so hold on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. And you're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio with Simon Rosen and Steve Kaplan as we go through uh, our last ordinary Gadgets and Gizmos for this year. So where now? Well, we're onto Apple stuff and stolen iPhones. It's a it's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's so much security built into iPhones with both uh, uh, your thumbprint and with Face ID, the more recent mm-hmm. ones, that people can't really use them uh, when they steal them unless. They steal it from you and badger you into opening it with your mm. face, at which point they can then turn off the find my feature and they can reset it. They can change the password and everything. Mm. Nothing you can do about it. Well, there's a new feature which will be coming in iOS 17.3, which will be the next release, uh, which will ask for a face ID or finger unlock if you're away from a familiar location. Mm-hmm. And it will ask for a one-hour delay and a second face scan before changing your Apple ID password, which is rather clever. And have you obviously thought had more time to think about this than Visa? And do you think that will solve the problem? It will certainly help. Whether it'll deter thieves, I mean, I don't know how they can check your phone to see if you're running iOS 17.3. Well, if they hang on to you for an hour, they're sorted, aren't they? The chances of them kidnapping you for an hour oh. to get your well, phone... Well, certainly not my slim. phone, because it's quite an old one. But, you know, you have you have the latest one, probably worth a few bob. Well, that's true, yes. Yes. Um, more news from Apple. The Apple Watch Series 9, which is the most recent one... Mm. Uh, they've had to stop manufacturing it or stop selling it because the the medical tech company Massimo sued them, saying that the light-based blood oxygen monitoring that they use in the Apple Watch is their patent. And the judge has agreed, Ooh. yes, it is their patent. Ooh. So they are stopping selling them after 25th of December. So you can still get <laughs> one in time for Christmas. That's appalling, really, isn't it? Yeah, well... There's no definite ruling, but Apple have agreed to stop selling them while the legal wrangling goes on, as, of course, it will do. And do you have one yet? I don't have a Series 9. I have a Series 7, which, frankly, is good enough for me. Okay. I haven't got one at all yet. I'm wondering if I should. More and more people do seem to have them. They are very, very good. They are very, very good. I can Well, obviously, I'm the kind of person who's going to recommend them. The best feature in it is the ability to do selfies from a distance. So I've got some fantastic holiday shots where I've propped up my phone on a rock or stuck mm. it on a little pocket tripod, yeah. and gone and stood on the top of a mountain, and then taken the picture with my watch. You see, I would be bothered the entire time that somebody would come along while I was some distance away and uh, swipe the phone. Well, you can, of course, see the phone the whole time. I so you so. Don't, don't do it in a crowded place. Okay. 
Anyway, there we go. That's worthwhile. Okay, right. Well, that all sounds pretty good. I quite like the the new feature for um, avoiding your phone being stolen. I get people on our street. We have people. I don't know about your your street. We have people who have these really rather extraordinarily big and expensive cars. Some of them being Range Rovers. They keep being stolen all the time. You get these messages on street whatsapp saying oh yeah. our car's been stolen if anybody sees it let us know because apparently the thieves tend to leave them somewhere locally to see if they've got trackers and the people can find them before they get rid of them and they keep yes. thinking why don't they put those air tags in they one air tag, those, of because an air tag which is relatively inexpensive compared to the cost of the vehicle could be hidden somewhere where the thieves might not look for it and you're you're, you're sort of sorted aren't you yes absolutely oh, i don't yes. know why they don't think of this every time one of these happens i keep thinking i should put something in the WhatsApp group, but then think they'll think I'm a smart aleck, and as they've lost the car, they're not going to thank me for telling them what they should have done. You could put it in the WhatsApp group with the corollary saying, do you know who I am? I, I do a tech podcast. I know all about these things. Uh, it's a relatively small street. Everybody in the street knows who everybody <laughs> else is. <laughs> they're probably listening now. So where do we go? We're going up into space. Oh, We're exciting. going up into space for the world's first space-grown tomato. Right. It was grown by an astronaut called Frank Rubio, mm. and um, it's he, it got to the magnificent size of one inch in diameter, and he put it in a little bag and took it out for a video call, and then lost it. <gasps> he doesn't. He didn't know where it went, and um, he was accused of having eaten it. Which was, <laughs> of course, a terrible thing for an astronaut to be accused of, of theft and indeed gluttony. If one tomato can count as gluttony, don't you would think well, if you grow a tomato mission. in space, somebody ought to try eating it to see if it's edible. It would be really awful if they said they tell the first mission to Mars, it's okay, you can grow your own tomatoes, and they taste disgusting. That would be awful, wouldn't it? But I'm assuming he well, didn't eat it. He found it. It doesn't say where he found it, but at one point he said he thought it was desiccated to the point where you couldn't tell what it was owing to the high humidity levels on the international space station if there's high humidity how could it become desiccated that doesn't make sense i think he stole it i think he stole it and ate it and replaced it with a red painted uh, marble doesn't this sound rather similar to sort of kids at school who were occasionally accused of stealing things and would swear blind they did and then suddenly they'd mysteriously appear again yeah, not usually desiccated, but not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. Anyway, I think it's time to move on to our crowdfunding oh. time of the week. Can we play some time? And it didn't delay that time. It didn't. I know you always <laughs> need extra time to find the button. I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, I'm getting better at finding it. You're getting better at finding it. Good. Well, back in 2020, yeah. the Looking Glass Portrait was launched. And this is a 3D holographic display mm. that you don't need glasses to see. I don't think we talked about it back in 2020. And it's very, very good. It, it can work, particularly if you have a recent uh, iPhone, it will work with photographs taken in portrait mode because they capture 3D information, they capture depth information. Mm. And when you show those on the looking glass portrait, then you, it is a true 3D image, and you don't need special glasses, and it is quite spectacular. So is this something you do on your phone, or you give, yes. give it the yes. image? Okay. You do, photograph the image on your phone, and then when you upload it to the, the device, 
Yes. You can see it in 3D. Okay. Uh, it's a rather chunky frame, so it's not something you carry around with with you until now, when they have now announced the Looking Glass Go, which is portable and will fold into your pocket, and you can operate it with a battery. And it looks absolutely splendid. They've raised um, half a million pounds on this so far, including £182 from me on their early bird slot. Right. And it looks fascinating. Go onto Kickstarter, look for Looking Glass Go, mm. and and you can see it in action. It's, of course, it's very difficult to show it on a on a flat screen. You can only hint at it. Even more difficult to show it on a radio program. But there we go. Okay. But why would you want to carry it around with you? So you can show it to other people. They okay. can say, look, look what I can do. And they'll be okay. amazed and indeed astounded. <laughs> All right. They will, guaranteed. Okay, all right. But you'll have to show me when you finally get it. When do you think you're going to get it? Oh, I don't know. Sometime next year. Okay. Whenever they finish making it. But (laughs) it's very exciting. I'm quite excited. What? I mean, what happens when they raise enormous amounts of money that they don't necessarily need? They just keep it on crowdfunding sites. Oh, no, no, because the money they raise is for products they then ship out. So... What, oh, what crowdfunding so. sites yeah. do, they give you the opportunity to buy it, to pre-buy mm. it, at a usually significantly discounted rate. Mm. And uh, if they then go into manufacture, then you get one at the pledged level that you put down. Sometimes, of course, they fail completely and you don't get anything at all. And that does happen, you know, fairly often. Yes, you, but, you discuss uh, that's it That's how frequently. crowdfunding sites yes. work, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on. Well, indeed, when it arrives, if it arrives, or when it arrives, let's be positive about this, <laughs> it'll come in a cardboard box, as does most of the stuff you get on Amazon. Mm. And if it's anything fragile or anything electronic, then it'll come inside the cardboard box will be your product securely secured inside a polystyrene container. Mm. Now, the cardboard box is recyclable, but of course the polystyrene, being petrochemical derived, will be around for the rest of eternity, which Mm. is rather annoying. Well, the Beijing Forestry University have come up with a very clever idea of recycling cardboard boxes by putting them in a blender, which breaks them down into scraps, which are then mixed with PVA or glycerol gelatin which they then pour into moulds and freeze-dry, and it becomes a product very similar to the polystyrene, stronger than the polystyrene, mm. and endlessly recyclable. That's which clever. Is absolutely, very, very clever. So the boxes but, themselves could become the packaging of the future. That seems a very good idea. Because it's very odd, when people talk about getting rid of fossil fuels, you keep thinking, well, hang on, people are only thinking about you know, petrol going into tanks of cars and things, and boats and planes well, and, plastic. and everything else. Plastic but, as well. Yes, but I mean, all manner of things are derived from fossil fuel. Yes. It's not just the, the product itself. There are so many. Well, polystyrene well, you mentioned, but there are so many. Including things. my uh, pen, including my glasses, yes. including yes. probably so what do we, jumper. So what do we do with those if there's no fossil fuel left? They're going to have to come up with lots of alternatives for everything. Oh, the problem isn't that there's no fossil fuel left. There is plenty of fossil fuel left. The problem is that fossil fuels are extremely damaging to the ecosystem. Yes, but but if the companies stop bringing them out, how are we going to have plastics for your glasses in future? You're going to have to make sure you look after them. I, well, either that or whittle them out of wood. 
Well, yeah, yes. <laughs> there you've got your crowdfunding idea for 2024. Well, they can always make them out of PLA, which is the, the material that you 3D print with, polylactic mm. acid, which is made from sugar cane and is, oh, it is biodegradable. Is it so, yeah. Is it edible as well? No. I oh. have tried. No. Do you have one other thing that's very, very brief? Yes, Hyundai have produced car tyres with built-in snow chains. Oh. They are six indented grooves in the tyre, in line with the spokes, and you press a button and there are thick wires that then raise themselves up and become ridged snow chain-like um, yeah, like That's thick wires clever. on the outside. So the rest of the year when you don't need them, you can just use them as ordinary tyres, presumably. Because yeah. yes. I do well, have neighbours who live in the Peak District who actually change their tyres every winter. The garage oh, really? keeps their other tyres, and in the oh. winter they put on the winter tyres that supposedly have better grips. And then when it gets warm again, they swap them back. Well, they could get these. As long as they drive a Hyundai, so far they've oh. only got a video of it. So they haven't actually manufactured them, but they've done a rather nice video showing how they would look <laughs> if they actually existed. We've Steve, that's that wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. That's it from Gadgets and Gizmets. We will be back with more at the same time. So what are we doing next week? We're looking, we're looking back, aren't we, or something? We are looking back at the year, and what a year it's been. Well, look forward to that. That's it, though, from Gadgets and Gizmos, from Steve Kaplan and myself, Simon Rose. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.